Hello there. Good morning, Bubususa. Come closer. Never leave me, Bubususa. Our friendship it matters, Bubususa. And we are back on another heathen episode of Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast. Super excited to be here today. Uh, my name is John, and with me as always is my uh, charming and technologically challenged co-host, Josh. Josh, how are you doing, sir? I have COVID. Oh, do you really? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I just got my positive COVID test yesterday, and it is great. Uh, sitting upright makes me sweat, and my skin hurts. <laughs> great. <laughs> oh, wow. That sucks. I'm sorry. It sounds like you're, I mean, all things considered, you're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, whenever I told Melanie I have to go do my podcast, her response was, oh, are you doing that today? And I was like, I am going to try. So every once in a while, uh, I might just turn my mic off for a second and take a big old scoop of this here spicy hot and sour soup that is ah. soothing the soul. Oh, isn't that nice? It is. It is. It's funny. I recently um, got on four planes... Mm -hmm. uh, and spent hours in four different airports across these United States. And from that, I got the common cold. And it wasn't until a month later from, I guess, going to the office or maybe, uh, oh, we got a kitten a week ago. Maybe nice. from the animal shelter, uh, I got COVID. So not, not from spending too many hours in an airplane or too many hours in an airport, no. Just more normal stuff. Insane. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we're all going to get it eventually. Yes, it yes. is. Yeah, we are all going to get it. I've, I I told Melanie that um, going for two years without having gotten COVID and then getting it after two years is like surviving the zombie movie, but then getting killed in the sequel. <laughs> it's, it's classic movie stuff. Yeah. <laughs> The legacy character from the original dies in the first 15 minutes of the sequel. <laughs> so if, you, if if Melanie comes in while we're recording and you eat her, I yeah. guess we can just include that in the episode. That would be a good sound bite, if you will. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah! How well, about you, my sir? How are you? I, I, I'm doing pretty well. I'm trying to... Uh, uh, I don't know what's the word, endure the uh, the summer in the mysterious place in which we live. Uh, I guess it's not even summer yet. It's technically still spring. Uh, we still got a few days left. Yeah, we are we are on the verge of the equinox. Mm, yes. yes. Which is... Right? Up, up, yeah. Is it right? Is it equinox? No. Uh, solstice? Yeah. yeah, the solstice, the summer solstice. Yeah, not equinox. That's something else, right? It's the solstice is the longest day of the year. Yeah, right? the summer solstice. Summer solstice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know At what least equinox in the, is. Uh, equinox is where the day and night is 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 of equal length. Okay, so it's the opposite of a solstice. Yeah, there's a spring and a fall. The the vernal and I forget what the other one is, but yeah, spring and fall equinox. Yeah, which are yeah. very much uh, pagan holidays or pagan uh, uh, dates that that are 
celebrated, which is, you know, kind of fitting considering that we are covering a little movie from Austria. Uh, it was made in 2017. Uh, the film is called Hagazusa. Hagazusa. Hagazusa, which is, I guess, a, a, a relatively common term in the in like Austria, Germany, whatever, it's uh it's kind of a adaptation of Haxa, which is a term for witch. Yeah. Um but that was the most I could kind of find on it. Um They they said it it's the word is from the old high German. Oh right. That sounds way too pretentious. <laughs> it sounds really high. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the film was, uh, this is Ein Film von Lukas Feigelfeld. Yes. Um, and this was his uh, final project for film school, if I'm not correct. If you're not correct. If I'm not, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, he, it's like his, uh, this was like his, um, what do you call it? Thesis. Yeah. Like his... making this film was like his, his, his big deal. And it was like partially crowdsourced, I think. Oh, is that right? I didn't. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, considering that, it's it's a pretty pretty uh, accomplished film. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks beautiful. Um, it's it's compelling. The story is intense. At only one point, did I see anything that just shouted amateurish at me and. You know, you've only got so many things available to you, but at that one point, and it's supposed to be such an intense point in the movie where everything hinges on this one thing, and it just looks hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We will definitely get to but, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what'd you think of it overall? Did you? I know that you, I think you kind of grew on you with, with successive watchings. Viewings. Yeah, it's uh, it's got some of that. Uh, I'm in film school, and I have been told that Stanley Kubrick is amazing vibe to it. So, like, there, if if you're wondering, like, is this movie set in the Alps, in the German Alps? If this movie is going to have like a long shot where it's just pine trees taking up the whole screen. And they're not really moving, and it's just going to be like a shot of that for a while. Then the answer, I hope you will be happy to hear, is yes, it's going to do that. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like the first time I watched it, I was a little cranky because not a lot of things happen in the movie. It's it like it's referred to as a slow burn. I would argue that it is just kind of more of a long burn, like this. The, what happens in the movie doesn't really take up the full runtime of the movie, but the director is doing that thing where, what if I made it a tone movie? Mm -hmm. And and he does a pretty good job of it. I'll, I'll give it to him. So yeah, it was the first time I watched it, I was cranky. I was like, this is like just taking too long on purpose. And then after uh, another watch, I was like, oh, okay, I... I, I get it. I'm still a little cranky about it, but I liked the, what he did achieve with his scenes. He he achieved very well, and uh, I can respect that. And it did make it more enjoyable the second time through. Yeah, yeah. That's I I I could see that. I think the 
I remember the first time I watched it, and I mean, it was it was a while. It was at least a year ago, and uh, I was I was expecting, you know, more of a. I, I guess I was expecting more like stuff. You know, I'm. Yeah. I mean, I'm used to I'm used to slow film. I mean, I like slow films. It, it if you know, some of my favorite films are very slowly paced. I mean, obviously they can be incredibly boring. And uh, you have to kind of be in the right mood to watch one. Also have to be well-rested. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that after repeated viewings and in having some time, in my case, quite a bit of time, to kind of think about this movie, I mean, it. I like it more and more each time I watch it. And a lot of the ideas that he throws around, I like that he keeps the door open on the interpretation. Um, yeah. But I also like that he... He, yes, he keeps the door open in the sense that there's no like definitive view, at least in the way it's presented, of, of what is actually happening. But he gives you plenty of options for what could be happening. So you're not, it's not just completely wide open, like, what the fuck did I just see? You know, it's like, oh, it could be this, or I guess it could be this, or it might be a mix of these things. And I thought that was kind of... I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, and it pairs nicely with we we just watched Witchfinder General. Witchfinder General. It pairs super nicely with that. We've got some not the same time period, but general relative time period of it being really shitty to be alive in Europe. Um, and it also pairs well with Saint Maud, which I assume we will release before this one, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, where. Um, there's a supernatural element to this movie, a la The Ritual, mm -hmm. you know? Maybe there is a big, scary pagan deity that lives in the woods. Um, and it uh, also is kind of similar to um, In the Earth. Mm -hmm. And The Witch. And the, and the Vavitch, but we haven't, we haven't uh, done we that one We haven't covered here. The Vavitch, that's true. Yes, but, but this, is, this is very The Vavitch adjacent, <laughs> uh, and, and the other A24s of Midsummer and um, uh, Hereditary. There's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on here. It's very good. He timed this movie just right. Like, viewers were in the mood to see this stuff during those years. Yeah. And, uh, it, it helps round out all of that. This one, um, what's the, the perk, perk, perkta, perkta, perkta is the, perkta. the, uh, deity in this movie. So it was, it was fun to delve into that. I didn't know. You can tell that the director did some research on his, uh, middle ages, Germany and Austria, mm -hmm. but also like, I found one, like, really shitty, like, top 20 things about Middle Ages that you didn't know article that basically covered all of the things in this and more. And I was like, I wonder if he actually did research or if he just found that article. <laughs> one of these lists. He was like, all right, they uh, do a Perkta thing. It's Twelfth Night. Also, they uh, chew on sticks to clean their teeth. Here we go. Let's make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible. <laughs> but it's really good. I, I have I've turned around on it. I enjoy this movie now and fully recommend a viewing of it. Just know it is uh, in German and you will have to read subtitles, but not very many. Yeah, that's all three lines are in German. 
I our main character like speaks like maybe as few as two times in the whole movie. She pretty much. I mean, she spends more time muttering to herself, in which is unintelligible anyway. Ach, Mutter. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know if it's like supposed to be some sort of incantation or if she's just, you know, again, it's, it's you know, it could be either. She's completely out of her fucking skull. Because uh, she is a completely out of her fucking skull. I mean, that. Yes. Yeah. She is. She is very a St. Maud style character. Yeah. And this is very a St. Maud style story. Yeah. That's true. Just uh, with way different circumstances and um, antagonism. <laughs> 16th century setting, an alpine cabin setting. One of those centuries, I don't know. I, I assumed it was the 14th century. I read on Wikipedia that it's the 15th century, but if you if it turned out that it was the 16th century, I would also not be surprised. I mean, I just read, you know, I don't even remember where I read it. I read it somewhere, but so there, I mean, it, it was... It takes place in three different centuries. <laughs> yeah. It's a very long movie. <laughs> it's three centuries long. <laughs> well, I guess I guess we'll dig in. Is there anything you wanted to, to cover before we, we leap into this story and spoil the whole thing? Get away from me and let's dive into this movie. Oh, yeah. Well, the movie opens. Uh, it's a snowy alpine winter wonderland. We see snow footprints uh, from above, like an above camera shot. We see some credits. Uh, we start getting the, we get the title across the screen. And then we introduce the droney soundtrack music by the group, which I guess is two Greek guys uh, yeah. called MMMD. <laughs> I I do want to be in that meeting where they came up with their name. They're like, "All right, what do we do to sound like an electronica band or something?" <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is it like the initials of each guy, or I don't, you know, I don't know. Michael Myers and Michael Dyers. Michael Dyers. <laughs> Dyers Ogos. <laughs> yeah. So. um the music's cool. It's very effective and not used a whole lot. It's kind of used to kind of spruce up some moments throughout the film. But, you know, it's not just there. Everything that happens doesn't have a soundtrack piece for it. You know? Yeah, it's it's really there to let you know that you're supposed to start feeling spooky. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the rest of the time, you're just going to kind of hear the crunch of snow or the squirt of goat's milk hitting... <laughs> A variety of surfaces. <laughs> Lots of birds, wind sounds, bugs in the summer scenes, uh, you know, a lot of natural uh, noise, which kind of ma makes up the soundtrack as well. Um, you can just hear skin abnormalities growing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So so we see, we see <clears throat> a mother with her child. Uh, the mother's name's Martha, and the child is Albrun. Alprun. Alprun. And uh, they're on a snow-covered mountain. It's it's very bleak. It's got that kind of bluish bluish tint to it. Um, the mom sends the, the girl up the mountain. And uh, that's kind of this, this prequel. I mean, not prequel, but like, you know, pre-whatever kind of introduction to what's going to happen. And then the film itself is broken into four different sections. And this is where we see the the 
the screen shows us like in runic symbols, I guess, and then next to it, yeah. it, it says Shaten, which is shadows. Um, yeah. So this is the first section. We're in the shadows. So a mother and a daughter uh, that we've just seen, they live in the 14th century Alps, and uh, we're going to go with that. And uh, the mom, <laughs> the mom is Martha. Uh, she, we see her. She's pulling her daughter on a sled, and uh, it's the twelfth night. And they run into this old codger who's like a throwback to uh, Witchfinder General. <laughs> yeah, his name is Sep. Sep. <laughs> and he's chewing on a stick like it's a really good stogie. He's a he's a stick chewer. And- God, he's so good. I love this character. He's in it for like all of 20 seconds and he is amazing. There's nothing like the one or two line old person character in these these period piece movies they're just the best. He's he's old, he's hunched over, he's covered in the pelts of small animals and, and, and like you can't even you can't even get there. Like there's no way to get to the like gravelly horribleness of his voice. Ah, oh, amazing. So he's informs he informs Martha and, and Albrun that uh, it's the twelfth night and that they need to watch out that Perta doesn't get you. I, apparently he's yeah. apparently he's an old Jewish man from New York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not far off. Maybe it's, it is possible. <laughs> it's just the wrong part of the map. <laughs> so they. You know, they're suitably freaked out, I guess. I'm sure the daughter probably is. And they work their way up the the creepy mountainside. And the mother senses something. They don't really show you what it is, but she senses that, you know, there's something out there that might be a little menacing. Uh, back at the house, they're at the dinner table. It's candlelit. The, the film is naturally lit. You don't... There's no indication that they even use lights of any kind in this movie. Uh, it seems like all the lighting is natural. Anyways, so it's, it's super rustic. They're like in a, it's like a log cabin basically, but this is their house. Uh, the mother is still kind of stressing, you know, looking out the window, the little tiny window. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she's freaking out. She's still bothered about something. She hides her daughter under the table, um, and then she ends up going outside, and it turns out there's these three creepy dudes wearing like animal skins and leather and like I don't know they've got these big crazy animal masks like big hairy you know weird like pagany looking masks yeah really good masks lots of just extra goat horns like way too many goat horns some of them have like carved crazy looking human teeth that are just big and askew uh uh it's great. It's great, and I can only imagine how horrifying that would be to have those dicks show up in front of your cabin in the middle of the winter. Apparently, those masks are still used on uh, like Twelfth Night celebrations because, and it's related to the goddess Perta. Okay, I I, yeah. I saw uh, some sort of like police procedural show that that had uh, <laughs> that had a like it was taken. It took place in like an alpine environment around. Twelfth night, and there were these guys like parading through the streets wearing these crazy costumes that look like that. So, but anyways, yeah, you know they're they're um, they're they're not nice guys. I don't think. I think that's fair. No, and uh, they're like clattering around. You can hear they're like ching 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 ching. ching. They're having some sort of weird <laughs> ritualistic thing going on outside. They 
they threaten the mother and say that, you know, claim that she's a witch and her and her daughter are witches and they threaten them, you know, just that kind of goodness. It's good. It's a fun Twelfth Night Boys tradition. (laughs) And I mean, you know, you, you, you get the sense without even having them interact with anybody that these people live an isolated life. I mean, they're, (laughs) they definitely have their own, you know, like it's a mother and a child. There's no father. There's no mention of the father. Um, It never comes up. There's no male presence in the house. Um, It just, it's just these, this lady with her daughter. And uh, so these guys come, they show up, they threaten them Uh, the next day or, at daytime, we should say that we we just dis- the girl discovers that she's had her first period, probably her first period. She sees blood on the bed sheets. Oh, I was thinking that was like the mom's blood or something. I did not pick up. On I, that. I didn't pick it up until I watched it a couple times, and then I realized, oh, okay, so that's she's she's had her first period. She's ashamed of herself because she probably doesn't know what it is, and she hides. Uh. She hides her sheets from her mom. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we don't know exactly what, uh, you know, you get the impression that like bodily stuff and, and female things and, and stuff like that, you know, especially if her mom yeah. is a witch, you know, these things have very specific meanings. So I could see where the the girl might be scared to, as a lot of girls may be scared to, to go through that kind of a change. Uh, so she hides the sheets from her mother. And uh, they're outside gathering twigs and sticks. We hear church bells ringing in the distance. It's super snowy. The mother is... <laughs> Some sort of prayer or whatever the hell she's doing. Uh, Lots of staring off into the woods where like the camera will stare into the woods and... It's the kind of density of woods where it's like, is there something back there? I can't tell. Maybe it's just the trees blurring Yeah, she's right on the edge of the woods. It's very snowy. We see her back. She's covered in, like, animal skins and stuff to stay warm. So it's kind of like Albrun's POV. Um, We hear the mom making these noises. And then she basically just goes, um, we hear her say, Albrun. Uh, She turns around. She says, Albrun. I, and then she basically passes out. Yeah, she gets a little dropsy. Gets a little dropsy. So back at the cabin, mom's uh, very grossly barfy sick. <laughs> and uh, like just really just gross sick. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. I, I get it. Uh, Al Brun, uh dumps out this bucket of mom's blood sick into the snow. <laughs> Which makes like blood sickles or whatever. It's so disgusting. It looked like maybe there were teeth in there too. Oh man, mom is real sick. Yeah, that's not good when you're throwing up teeth. (laughs) So along comes later on at some point a fancy hat old knob and a nun on a horse, which sounds like the setup for a really bad joke. A fancy old old knob and a nun on a horse and sleigh roll up. <laughs> um, I guess they've been summoned, although it's not really clear who would have summoned them. But anyways, they show up and uh, they, they come to attend to the mother, uh, which basically means lifting her shirt while he pokes at these like <laughs> greasy pustule buboes on her skin. 
it's so good. Obviously, obvious implication is that she has plague. Yes. And considering that these people are quite possibly pagan or witches or whatever, um, um, they they probably, you know, that probably has a whole different connotation for them. Like she's been cursed or something like that. But anyways, he's poking and prodding at these disgusting, like, like pustules. They're huge. And he gives the nun what I call the look. <laughs> kind of like, uh-huh. you want to do it after this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they And then they, they take off. And then I, I just put here, uh, witches be tripping. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm an idiot. So... <laughs> Then we get this horrifying scene where um, uh, Alburn is trying to feed her mother, you know, this white, it's porridge, I assume, because yeah. it, it's like this white, disgusting, viscous, chunky stuff that just looks like movie puke. Yeah, minimalist peasant food. Yeah, so she's feeding this to her mother, or trying to. The mother's sitting up, it's, it's really creepy, she's not really eating, uh, it's horrible, and yeah. then... She holds, she's holding her daughter and she starts like sniffing her hair, like almost animalistically. Uh, It's so creepy. She sniffs her. (laughs) And then, as she's kind of sniffing, and then you see her hand come up from under the blanket and she sniffs her fingers (laughs) and then wipes blood on her daughter's head. It's her daughter's period blood. So that's how she's discovered her daughter is having a period. And and all of her her fingers have turned black from the plague. Her fingers have turned black, just like in Honeydew. Yeah. And uh she's she she flips the fuck out. She like gasps and wails. It's it's horrible. It's very disturbing. Yeah. See, and that's I didn't get that that was her period blood. I thought that that was her mother like dipping into her own bleeding whateverness, yeah. sniffing it and then rubbing it on the daughter's forehead in like an infectious moment. I didn't realize that she was uh... and we're we're setting the scene for this bizarre chain of of, you know, unknown pregnancies essentially. Like it like like Fertility and all that kind of stuff is is a huge part of of you know this the the intent here with the story. So, anyways, so now we're outside. We see a trail in the snow. Uh, we see what looks like a freshly consumed de- deer skull. Yeah, like it's it's pink. It still looks like the, you know like the tissue is still relatively fresh. Uh, we see this. It's we see one later at a more key moment, um, like a smaller one. Um, Albrun is basically trekking off into the distance. She ends up in this swampy bog area and she's, you know, kind of wandering around. She comes up to this huge upended tree. It's so cool. Right in front of this huge gnarled root base, she finds her mother laying dead on the ground with like snakes crawling (laughs) around all over her. I mean, the symbolism is pretty ripe. Yeah, it's it's all there. This movie looks pretty ripe. Yeah. So, you know, serpents, you know, serpents obviously represent all kinds of things like the devil and all, you know, the sexual male sexuality or you know, all kinds of weird all that shit is being thrown around. Yeah. It's fucking but a great, great. It's, it's a great shot. I mean, it looks it looks good. It's compelling. It's creepy as hell. 
Don't want to hang with these people. No, no, this is not a great place to be. Although one of the characters would argue this is a great place to be. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to touch on a few things. One, Perkta is fucking awesome. It's literally like part of their pagan tradition that relates to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Just like the pagan god of the twelfth night of Christmas. I had no idea that was a fucking thing. I didn't know that there were like Christianity specific pagan deities. I want to learn more about that because that is fucking awesome. Is it, did they have a different one for each night or is it just? I think or- so, yeah. Um, but, uh, but Perkta specifically is kind of like a, uh, anti Santa type character. Like, uh, what's the one that got famous and they did? Oh, horror Krampus. Movies? Krampus. It's very Krampus like character, but it's, um, it's more related to labor. It's uh, like with this one, you have to make sure that you've gotten all of your work done. Uh, specifically things like uh, weaving mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, if you've gotten all your work done but did not do any work on Twelfth Night, because that's the thing, you're not supposed to do any work on Twelfth Night or this god will get mad at you also. So you're supposed to have gotten all of your work done but not on Twelfth Night or Perkta will cut you open and rip out your guts. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, get your work done, folks. Yeah, yeah. Better get to weaving or whatever. <laughs> get awesome. to thine weaving. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> and I, I wanted to call out the uh, the twig harvest because I love that peasants, like middle uh, 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 Dark Ages and Middle Ages peasants are always depicted as either gathering twigs or having a bundle of twigs. I don't know what they're doing with the twigs, but it really seems like they live in a twig-based economy. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I know they would, you know, probably soak certain, soak some of them so that they could like make things like baskets and stuff. And, uh, and I guess they sense. serve serve different uses. I guess. Yeah, I don't they, know. They use every part of the twig. <laughs> Waste not, want not from the twig. <laughs> Uh, I also wanted to ask, John, do you remember when we came up with the idea of starting a body horror band called the Boobos? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, uh, when I was moving, I found our song list, our track list from the Boobos album. Oh, I wanted nice. to read you a few samples from it here. Excellent. If any of them are acceptable, I might post the whole list to our uh facebook or something later on but yeah so we've got um pussy boogers (laughs) why do i smell eggs when i sneeze (laughs) sebaceous evacuation (laughs) tongue rug oh (laughs) (laughs) tongue rug (laughs) my dick is my anus And uh, it's just a cold sore, lover. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Keep keep your ears ears peeled. I can't talk. Keep your ears peeled for the upcoming album from The Boobos. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yes. (laughs) Um, 
Let's see. Okay, it's me now, I guess. Uh, the next section is called Horn, mm-hmm. which I uh, especially appreciate because in German, it's spelled like in English, Horn, which is... Horn. Yeah, it's fun because uh, the English language is a weird bastard of all sorts of horrible parents. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this one's for us. <laughs> we share our horns. Yes. <laughs> After finding her mom's snakily dead body, Aubrin is now an adult, and she has her own herd of goats that she spends a lot of time with. I would say she spends more time with her goats than she spends with her baby, which is only sometimes a concern in the movies, like frighteningly absent in large swaths of the film. Uh, we'll get yeah, we'll get to some of the interpretations I read about that. Oh, I haven't read any interpretations. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, she, whenever she goes through like the most populated part of the forest, <laughs> three she, people, <laughs> yeah, uh, children um, menace her. They throw very small stones nearby her. Uh, perhaps try to drunk dunk some disease in her buckets and uh, say things along the lines of go back to where you came from in some nods to some things and are then chased away by the beautiful Swinda who, <laughs> who instantly befriends Albrun asks oh do you I love it do you live in the hut by the creek <laughs> which makes it sound like a really horrible place <laughs> which yeah it's, i mean it's you know all things considered it's not that bad yeah it's she like literally has a multi-building estate with a fence so i don't know about calling it a hut by the creek that kind of sounds like something that a, a hermit hovels in yeah like what the fuck does swinda live in some palace yeah um but then in addition to befriending her, Swinda says that Albrun has been summoned to the church. And it turns out that it's not just any kind of church. It's the kind of church built out of skulls. Yeah, it's fucking crazy inside there. Yeah, I guess that makes sense that it would be 15th century instead of 14th century because they've had enough time where their best building material available is skulls and human bones. Yeah, so definitely plenty of that shit laying around. Jesus. Woo! What? I cannot imagine. Like, apparently this plague took out, like, half of Europe. That's incredible. Yeah. That's insane. What a great time to uh, hate the Jews. <laughs> what a great time to not live very long and hate the Jews. Yeah. You know, it's but really, to be fair, it's always a good time to hate the Jews, apparently. I mean, people have been hating the Jews since time immemorial. <laughs> it's like, seasons may come, seasons may go, but the Jews are just terrible. Yeah, turn, turn, turn. That's the weirdest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. It's interesting. I like that the director was like, we're not going to ignore the anti-Semitism of ancient Germany, let's go ahead and call it out. They also uh, hated the Jews enough that many of them were like, oh, well, fuck this. We're going east where people wear bottles on their dancing hats. (laughs) That's exactly the way they said it. (laughs) Um, Let's see. The 
priest guy who might have also been the doctor from earlier uh, is real weird. He's talking about sacrilege and about uh, like if you live alone, you're probably a sinner. And by the way, here's your mom's pretty polished skull that I painted pretty flowers on. I painted the flowers on her skull similar to the flowers that were on her little hoodie that she used to wear. Yeah, here you go. It's like his his way of helping, like, ensure that he can prevent sacrilege from taking place for or further taking place. And he yeah, he he talks up a load of bullshit about his mission in this town is to, like, you know, bring the righteousness of the Lord and and clear out the taint of the heathens and of course the Jews gotta get rid of the Jews gotta get rid of the Jews (laughs) I mean come on it goes without saying really alright so heathens out of here witchcraft not acceptable Mm -mm. Jews why are they even here (laughs) what is the deal with all the Jews yeah (laughs) and this part gets really confusing because the kids are like go back to where you came from but this is this guy has her mom's skull so like did she move to the other side of the creek or something? Like what how like how has she not just been part of I don't I don't know. How did he get her mother's corpse is the other thing I didn't understand. Did she give it to them? That doesn't seem likely. Yeah, I mean I guess maybe they came around, collected the plague bodies, polished yeah. up them skulls so that you can really like get in there with the bodily fluids. I don't know. Uh, it's it's strange. It, I like that the camera really gives you a good shot of like, this is what this skull's nasal passages were like. You can really, really see the sinus cavities. All up in there. Yeah, it's good. The human body is disgusting. <laughs> it is. Um, on her way back she's carrying the skull not her baby there's no baby she didn't take a baby on this hike but there's something in the woods and it's another shot where the camera's looking out into the woods and you're like is there something there maybe there's something there huh i guess there's nothing there oh well and uh makes it back to her house she she puts the skull on a little bench and surrounds it with flowers and put her puts her mom's shawl over it to make it like a special little mommy is dead shrine neat <laughs> bye bye martha shrine yeah i really love that this time period and 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 area is where we have gotten all of our dark art from like any any anything that is like super metal and dark is basically plague era european inspired you need uh, way too many bones knuckle art skulls everywhere warhammer 40,000 it's basically just plague germany <laughs> good old plague germany thanks plague germany um and then Aubryn gets to doing her favorite chore, milking goats. Um, She likes to milk goats. She likes to gently rest her cheek against the the goat's fur and skin and and just really get in there with with milking, milking them goats, sometimes just kind of cupping a, a goaty 
breast and breathing deep and widening up the legs on the bench and hiking that skirt up a little bit while you get a big old handful of big old mommy goat teat and listen to the sound of the wind and breathe into the into the microphone all close up i think this might be one of the big scenes where the movie introduces breathing heavily just off mic yeah um, so so this lady has sexual feelings about goats yeah you see this this shot it's great but it's disturbing where she's like squirting goat milk into her <laughs> hand with like all the dirt under her nails and <laughs> just, and then then we get a great shot of her goat milkster baiting where she's just like she's got her hand one hand under the dress one on the the goat teat <laughs> yeah. just it's horrendous yeah yeah oh yeah and she yeah she, so she's like she stops collecting the goat milk and just starts squirting it over her own hand <laughs> and then like pulling her fingers up to her mouth and just like delicately biting her fingertips with the goat milk on it licking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then there's also this this great shot of her skimming the goat milk and it's just so disgusting yeah she's like Making like goat milk cheese, I guess, or something, right? Yeah, it's just basically she pours all of the goat milk into an old dirty towel and then <laughs> squeezes it out. She's making goat milk tea. She's like, ah, I'll use this for shampoo later. <laughs> oh. Disgusting. <laughs> oh yeah, and all this time we're we're getting more like possible presents from the woods. Yeah, she's she. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then her her good good friend Swinda shows up, and oh, uh, Swinda. Oh man! And Albrun actually seems happy to see her, which is kind of weird. But she's got that like I don't know how to be around people <laughs> look on her face. So we got so earlier when when she met Swinda, we got like strong meat cute vibes. Ah, oh, so they they go inside. They sit down at this tiny table. They're like two inches away from each other. And they're they're sitting there and and you know jabbering whatever and not not really talking obviously and then Albert busts out an apple, uh, uh no 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 sorry Swinda busts out an apple gives it to Albert yeah and uh, you know I've brought this apple for you <laughs> I don't know why she talks like that yeah they just they sat down and just like didn't talk but whenever she said I'm here to visit um, Albert looked real happy about it yeah. Then and they then very it's just awkward. They're very awkward. Swinda's looking around. She's getting the creeps from the place. Um, the baby cries on cue, like just perfect, oh, perfect timing. Like something's not right. Swinda starts looking around, acting all suspicious while Albrun is tending to the baby. She sees the skull shrine, goes kind of trancy, is looking directly at the camera, basically, which represents yeah. We get the. And she's, she gets all teary-eyed and kind of, you know, she looks deeply disturbed. And then she, she basically just kind of leaves. She just gets up. Yeah. She, she doesn't kind of leave. She straight up gets up and leaves. Oh, excuse me. I forgot I'm Frau. <laughs> oh, mine bad. <laughs> Ach, Mutter. <laughs> uh, 
So now it's nighttime, and uh, Albrun is trying to calm her baby. Uh, baby's hysterically crying. Uh, something everyone like from the moment of the apple, like yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Everyone, uh, the, and it's the sound that drives everyone, including Albrun, insane. Yeah. Um, but uh, she seems to muscle through, and in the meantime, she hears her mother voice calling her from the woods, and uh, it's she's kind of like. Eh? I <laughs> and then we get this cut to the like some goat shots, some goat eyeball shots with those crazy rectangular sideways pupils that they have, and all that weirdness. And Man, fuck goats, am it's I right? Go- I mean, fuck goats, am I right? And now it's time to masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, you know, we we've got this weird mix. The baby's acting weird, doesn't want to eat. Uh, every time we we see her around goats or we're introduced to goats, and then she there's this carnal lust lustiness that, like, you know, and I'm sure, you know, who knows what goats represent? I mean, it's hard to say, yeah. you know, what symbolism would be involved there. But anyways. They're, they're a very uh, versatile, symbolic piece, are goats. They don't right. really... Uh stick to narrow lanes exactly it's a very yeah. broad interpretation of goatdom yeah so, <laughs> so we cut we cut it's day now we're in the cabin the baby will not nurse um this is kind of an extension of the way that the baby's been acting she's just kind of trying to shove her teeth <laughs> nipple into the baby's mouth and it's it's just going nowhere it's like hitting off to the side. It's just like, come on, you stupid piece of shit. Just a lot of nipple misdirection. I want to rewind back. it back a bit to the masturbation. Sure. We get her masturbating, and then in the middle of her masturbating, like her hands come up around her head, mm. and she's not masturbating anymore. But the sexuality of it is intensifying, and we start getting weird animal grunting noises. Yeah. So it's somewhere in between the, the like, beast from the woods is in there having a fuck on her, or maybe she's just a crazy lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we get, and that, as the movie goes on, there's more and more of these. Could both. be this, could be that, could be both, could be whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So we cut. So now we cut to you know it's daytime again. Albrun and Swinda are outside. They're chilling, just you know having a good time, having a little sit on the mountain. God, it is beautiful too. It is gorgeous. Yeah, it's like summertime. You can hear, you see the bugs flying around, and you know you can yeah hear the wind. It's it's amazing. It's, it's gorgeous green lawns all <sighs> everywhere. But then in the distance, you can see the snow caps on the mountains, and yeah. it's, it's just, and she's just like. It's good that we live here. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, you bitch. <laughs> it's really, really a sweet uh, sweet scene. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so then Swinda starts going on about how she uh, she likes not having to be afraid because they live in these God-filled mountains. Uh, up here in the, in the mountains, you don't have to worry about things like the Jews and the heathens. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she says heathens, she looks directly at Auburn. then we hear more about the jews and the heathens you know they come at night they leave you with child that old chestnut you know you know oh yeah earlier we we got um she asked albrin about the the baby daddy 
And uh, Alperno is like, there isn't one. Right. So yeah. that leaves another uh, several doors open. <laughs> yeah. It might be a virgins in the force. Yeah. <laughs> Who can sayeth? Yeah. So so now we realize that Swinda is not, you know, she's she's not uh, she's not Alburn's friend. She's just up to no good. She's and, you know, obviously this isn't going heading in a good direction. Yeah, whenever whenever she's uh not hanging out with Alburn, she's probably on like 4chan or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so they they leave the beautiful mountainside. Uh, Albrin does not have her baby with her. Um, and they go to visit the watering log, which is just this neat log by the road where a stream, uh, I guess a snowmelt stream, trickles over it. And so this is this is where we shall get water from yeah it's like they hollowed out the log use it as some sort of fountain i mean i'm i wouldn't mind having a watering log yeah i mean i bet that water is real clean oh yeah no <laughs> no microbes at all no no just live on the mountain drink from the mountain sure yeah. what could go wrong what could possibly ruin <laughs> this delicious fresh mountain water <laughs> Uh, so they're visiting the water log and there is um an enormous man there uh he's very sweaty yeah sweaty big hands he looks like a um like a wrestler from the like pre-entertainment era of wrestling um kind of a kind of a hodor type figure yes very much uh, uh and uh and uh swinda goes up to him and whispers in his ear then walks back to albrun and gets real sisterly all up in her business then looks up at the dude and said this is the one and uh and then even though that is an obvious red flag like i don't know about you but <laughs> i was yeah. like oh don't go don't go they're like all right let's uh let's just all go to a different grassy knoll than we were on before and and just kind of lay down in the in the high altitude sunlight on this other grassy knoll so they go and they do that just terrifying uh and then it's uh after a while, like they just lay down for a long time. Then it's time go for sexual assault, and uh, Hodor gets. We we don't see a lot go on, but we just see his 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 big like pickled Fat pig finger. toe fingers going. He's got he's got all up by the neck, but not like strangly like. Somewhere between sensual and I'm just keeping you from getting up. And, and Swinda's laying down next to her, kind of holding her down like Handmaid's Tale style. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, she's she's physically kind of loving towards her. And she's even got, like, she, they're laying down and she's got her chin on, on Albrun's shoulder and is like has a pleasant expression on her face and is whispering in a kind tone into her ear but what she is saying is 
It's disgusting how all of you stink. Your rotten stench. And uh, and then we see uh, Albrin's eyes fill with terror. And then uh, the camera goes away. And yeah. Woo! What a uh, what a thing. Yeah. 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 But things have taken a bit of a turn for Albrin. Yeah. Uh, Horn is an entirely different beast than Shatten. <laughs> I have Shatten upon mine horn. Oh no. Um, so we get like, it's a little bit vague, but I feel like not too vague on super all the way what happened here. A little bit later, Albin wakes, Albrin wakes up. She is now alone on the mountainside. There is mist. So Mm -hmm. we get the idea that a good bit of time has passed. The weather has changed. Um, she makes her way home. She finds her... It never shows that all of her goats have been slaughtered, but we can see that she has gone to her goat barn and she is looking sadly at the floor. We hear no bleating. We hear no goat noise. And there is a uh, animal skin bag with goat horns hanging from the rafters. And when she goes to touch it, it unfurls and reveals a plop of guts that falls to the floor. I don't get it, but I'm sure if I was a German in the Middle Ages, I would get it. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too. It like it, it it's like the guys who show up with the masks, like they're they're accusing her of being a heathen or being a pagan, but you know, they're wearing these masks, which is super pagan, and they're doing some sort of I mean, it was more than just taunting, I would imagine. Killing the goats obviously had some sort of... The way that they made the, the meatball hanging mm-hmm. from the, the thing. I mean, I don't know. It was That was a weird scene. It's, it's like you said. It's like, obviously means something back then. Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive to look at. I like it as a detail in this movie. Because as much as we're able to talk about it, this movie is short on things happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is very bloody, very visceral. It's uh, the blood is super red looking. You can hear the buzz, the buzz of the flies flying around. Yeah, uh, it's a good scene. It's it is good, and I it, don't know what the fuck is going on. Boating sense from yeah. it, like uh, it's obviously some sort of like ward against something, or maybe I mean, if I guess if someone had done it on purpose, maybe you would use it to try to tell the future, like ooh those gu- those guts fell in an interesting way on the ground <laughs> it's time to read the goat guts yeah oh it looks like it's gonna be a really shitty third act <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess i guess the the idea is that these people obviously want her to leave they want to get rid of her yeah i think that's so. that's the most i can know for sure <laughs> they don't want her there they do not like her her rotten stench that's right and also, they don't like Jews. Let's just... Yeah. I, I don't know if I mentioned that or if we made that clear earlier, but uh, these people are not fond of Jews. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not good. Um, no. uh, so, of course, then it is time to intensify the music. The music is, like, the intensity music, it, it's, uh, like, a, a tuned-down cello like just on the deep note with the with the um 
bow just like <laughs> across the string. Very drony, but not like super loud or invasive. It's it's more of a kind of blend in sound. I mean, it's 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 noticeable. It's not like it's hidden, but yeah, yeah, and it's, it's not good. in your face. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool yeah. music. Um, so so now Albrin decides it is time to to get a little vengey. Mm-hmm. So um, earlier we saw that there is a cat in the house, and we also saw that there is a rat in the house because uh, that cat does not do its job. That cat's um, a dick. Yeah. Uh, and so she apparently kills the rat. She gets the rat, goes to the old watering log, uh, goes a little bit upstream from the watering log, and then deposits the rat into the watering log. They're into the stream, upstream from the watering log. And and we're like, oh, I get it, because they thought that rats spread the Black Plague, which they didn't really, but that's cool. I get I get the intention behind this. Uh, but no, it's not over, because then she <laughs> takes a squat and either takes a shit into the water source or a really dark pee. <laughs> yeah, she. I, I assume she was peeing because it was kind of amber colored. But whatever it is, she's excreting uh, directly onto the rat in midstream. Yeah, mid mid mountain stream. Yeah, there there are no chunks to be seen, so it's left up to your mind to determine exactly what's happening. But uh, either way, we have now got dead rat juice and living human juice in the water source. Yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> what could go wrong during Plague Germany? Um, and then she goes back. Oh yeah, we see as soon as she finishes up with her little with her bathroom break, she is now bleeding from her nose. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she goes back home and she does a, a whole like communion ritual type thing, getting all spiritual feeling and hearing noises with her mom's skull. Yeah, it's like this weird bastardization of a baptism, sort of. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She takes a whole, like, little, little, you know, tub with a, a ladle shower. It's mostly just her hair. It's a great shot. She slowly pulls her dress over her shoulders, and then she hunches over, and they they show, like, her, kind of like the curvature of her shoulders and her back with her hair draped down in the middle. It's just a very, kind of a surreal, almost... You know, it takes on like this weird composition where it doesn't even look like anything particular. It's just, it's a great shot. And then she's, everything's done, of course, slowly. So, yeah. you know, throughout the whole movie. So she's, she pours some of this, ladles some of this water over her hair and then kind of stands up with her hair in front of her face. And she's just like dicking with her hair. I don't know what she's doing, but it's, it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great shot. This, this, this director guy, he, uh, Everything in here looks amazing. Like he he yeah. obviously went to great lengths to make sure that every shot looks good. Yeah. It's just there literally aren't a lot of shots. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so she lights a candle. Uh I guess it's like a candle. It's it, she lights something that I would assume is a candle. I don't know where she gets wax, but you know, town scene. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. So she lights a candle. Um she has this weird commune with her mom's skull i guess and we hear the wind howling in the background um but not like ridiculously so anyways but we are now at uh the blut 
Blood. section. Blood. <laughs> uh, it's uh, This is the third section, a very disturbing section of the film. Things have really taken a turn now. Um, Albrun sees the Undertaker uh, rolling this cart, you know, Monty Python style. Bring out your dead. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm not quite dead yet. <laughs> so the Undertaker's rolling the dead, I'm assuming, plague victims in this cart. A bunch of naked dead people. Covered in powder. Yeah, working their way towards the bell-ringing church. And uh, she sees, uh, he's he's like, she's kind of following in the distance. I don't know why he doesn't see her, but whatever. So I guess he's busy carting dead people. So she sees as they're dumping plaguey corpses into a pile or this guy is uh, including Swinda I'm assuming right I think so I think she's the top body on the uh, I feel happy cart mm. I think uh, we got just enough of a shot to to see that it was Swinda and and just enough of a reaction on um yeah on Albrin's face where she's like hee <laughs> <laughs> take that you whore <laughs> So, yeah, so he's dumping the corpses onto this pile. Uh, they're going to get torched. It's a pretty cool shot, creepy, very disturbing. Um, but, you know, hey, it's uh, it's 14th century. Mm-hmm. So, what are you going to do? Yeah. So what she does is she goes and sits in some mossy clearing, like, among these trees. And she's sitting on a hill that's almost, like, tiered in a way, naturally. But it's the ground cover is basically moss and... Then there's just these big tree trunks going up. It's a great shot. It's beautiful. Yeah, she's sitting there. Uh, she's kind of looking around. She sees a a small like <laughs> baby deer's head yeah. on the ground and a uh, skull and uh, with the horns sticking out. And then you see these mushrooms kind of growing around it. And then there's this little like patch of these little mushrooms with maggots in between the mushrooms, <sighs> yeah. making that wet noise. Yeah. <laughs> It's disgusting. The ASMR maggots. ASM <laughs> maggot R. Yeah. So she she plucks one of them, the the mushroom, and eats one of the little mushrooms. And I don't know why it was crunchy, but it was crunchy when she ate it, which I thought was a strange. Effect. And it's also the the most penis looking of mushrooms, yes, like tiny course. tiny baby penises. Yes. And and she gets real sensual with it, like all over her lips first, because you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 of course she's about to go on a trip here. But I just have to, as a side note, say that those must be some pretty potent mushrooms because yeah. that thing was tiny. Yeah, it is itty bitty. She eats one. We definitely need to go hang out in this forest, my dude. <laughs> yeah, that's a, from my experience. It takes way more than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just great, high quality mushrooms, beautiful scenery. Everything is just soft moss to lay down and feel one with, except if you step down into the moss, your toes will get covered in maggots. Apparently, <laughs> yes, there is there is a small downside. Yeah, maybe don't take your baby into the maggot forest. <laughs> so she gets up. She's she's lay, she's been laying on her back for a while. She gets up. The sun is now kind of setting and. She gets up, she's wandering about, she's clearly tripping. I mean, she's like staring up at the trees, the one of those shots where the 
magically grow around each other and they're kind of swaying in the wind and you know great shot yeah. and uh she looks down she realizes she's got maggots all over her feet as you're saying like on her toes and or at least she thinks she does i don't who knows what the hell's happening at this point and she gets to the the yeah i'm assuming it's the same swampy pond because we we see an upended tree trunk in the same area but anyways it's a swampy pond area uh, but this this looks a little different than the place before because it's completely covered in like green scum, you know, like plant whatever algae or whatever it is. It's just coat the whole. It looks disgusting. Yeah, it it looks like uh, if you've ever if you've ever had like a backyard pond that you didn't take care of, it used to be a pond, but now it's just like a horrible natural soup. Yeah, it's just a giant biological muck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and. I always think this every time I watch this movie. It, it, I think that she's such a fucking trooper for walking barefoot through that shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, oh my god. So she's walking barefoot. She she's got the baby strapped to her. We're watching her like from the shore. I guess the camera's behind her. She slowly walks into this muck barefoot, and I, you see all the. It's so great because you can see all the frogs like running for their lives. <laughs> They're like hopping away. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh shit. What is this lady doing? Oh, no, I bet she's tripping balls. She's going to try to lick us. <laughs> she's crazy-eyed. She she works away into the water, squats down a little bit. The baby's crying, and uh, she's looking down at the baby with, like, psychotic, crazy eyes. Like, the... Just, like, almost look like an effect. Her eyes were so disturbed-looking. And then she... Just slowly, you can see from the back, she's slowly lowering the baby, and the baby's crying, and then in mid-scream, it just stops. And yeah. then you hear, like, <laughs> Fuck. She put the baby, drowned the baby, man. Yeah. And then she, she gets up, walks a little bit further, and then she just submerges herself down into the green water. And she's like, this is crazy kind of trippy scene, which... I guess is you know for a scene that's supposed to be depicting a you know something that's happening during somebody's trip I think they do a good job of not over psychedelicizing it yeah for, you know like in the earth did which I think you know was one of the parts of that movie that you weren't weren't that wasn't your favorite you know I, and, I uh, generally dislike a well now we're gonna do a trip scene uh, it always looks nothing like tripping yeah and this one's good it looks like it looks like the camera is underwater with a color mm -hmm. filter on it and there is debris and there is, you know, blood or some kind of colorful liquid that is like moving into the space. At a certain point, I think it's just twigs, but at a certain point it looks like like finger skeletalness with like maybe it's deteriorating a little. It's very well done for for one of those annoying scenes. And it's it it ties into her having her first period. Oh it shit! Int introduces the idea of a possible miscarriage, which, as I'd read online, takes you to this possible idea that the baby died a long time ago, was maybe even stillborn, oh. and she she doesn't realize it until she goes to take bathe the baby and realizes it's dead in the middle of her trip and flips the fuck out. It's one of the you know, many theories. But anyways she's in the pond. We see this water mixing with the, like you said, with the blood. We got the droney music. She crawls out of the pond eventually. It's nighttime now. 
and we get a very hard cut. Boom. That's the end of Blut. <laughs> yeah, Blut is now over and it is time to move into the final section of the movie. Fear. 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 <laughs> There's definitely not an R in the middle of it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So fire begins when Albrun wakes up. She's covered in snakes and doesn't really like she's just in her bed and there are snakes hanging out on her having a great time. She wakes up, doesn't really seem to notice the snakes and hears her mom calling to her from the forest. At this point, she she realizes that she's drowned her baby. I think she like goes to recover the baby from the pond or something like that. Or did she just find her baby back in the thing? I think that I think she brought the baby back with her is what they're trying to claim. Yeah, but, and and also I think there's only one snake. Only one snake. Okay. Which again it could be obviously a symbol for Satan. Yeah, a symbol for Satan. I mean, I would argue that if you have one snake on you, it counts as being covered in snakes because you know that's snake enough for it's, me. Yeah, it's enough. Like I've had one snake on me. That I I was cool with that. More than that, maybe not so much. I felt covered. Yeah, I got this. This this guy, this little snake right here, he's got this covered. It's good. So she wakes up covered in snake. Yeah. Um, so she realized she's drowned her baby. We get a, a shot of a, a obvious cabbage patch kid uh, with it, not a snake on it, but like a centipede or something gross like that. It's like, ew, nice, good. Um, and uh, then she sees that she, uh, when she was high, she must have got the munchies because she started herself a pot of soup. So then she looks at the pot of soup. It's already boiling. It's at that good hot temperature. Looks at like at that dead baby, looks back at that soup and is like, hmm, what is this we have here? I have an idea. So we don't. Oh, yeah. And then she she stares into the camera. It's time for for hard eye contact with us, the audience. And then we get this uh, this facial distortion where it's like half her face, half her mother's face. It looks cool. I wouldn't say it looks good. It's I think he wisely kept it relatively subtle so that it wasn't bad enough to be distracting. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's a, it's a camera trick, essentially. It's a, it's a very simply done effect. Yeah. Like a double exposure instead of, yeah. instead of like, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't look super great, but it doesn't take you out of the movie. Right. Right. What does take you out of the movie is the next scene where she is very, very obviously eating a rotisserie chicken <laughs> But the movie is strongly trying to get you to believe that she is eating the cooked body of her baby. But it is like if you have ever if you've ever like cooked a baby. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you've ever like like it's the back of the chicken. So like you take off the the breasts and you've just got like the back half of it and you can like see the inside of the ribs and the shit that gathered in there. It's very obviously that and she's eating like a really good part of the chicken called the oysters 
and it's it's like good but it's supposed to be her eating her baby and she's having trouble with it so she's doing this thing where she takes like a little bite of the chicken and like some of it falls out of her mouth and a little bit of it stuck to her lip and she's just like trying to eat it and and it's supposed to be this really intense oh my god she's eating her baby moment but it's hard for that moment to land when you're like ooh i'm i kind of like i could go for a rotisserie chicken right now that sounds nice yeah, that's what Boston yeah. Market's open. I know. I was like, where'd they get that? Kroger? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like one of the little box twins. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, this, that'd be good. Um, so that that really takes the impact away from it. I, I imagine it's hard to find something that looks like a cooked baby. Um, and, and I can appreciate doing it on a budget, especially this is towards the end of the movie. And this guy, like at least partially funded this, uh, through crowdsourcing. So I could see this maybe being where they'd like run out of other money. And he was like, I don't know. There's a $5 rotisserie chicken from Walmart. Go after it. Um, but it, it does take away from the, uh, from the effectiveness of the shot. Um, that didn't bother me, but that's I didn't think it looked like a baby, but yeah, it definitely doesn't look like a baby. I was like, wow, that kid has a lot of tiny ribs. <laughs> um, and uh, and then you know the the act of eating her baby causes some uh, uh, physical reactions. She starts getting really foamy uh, at the mouth and uh, does a, does a little bit of like just foamy spit puking. And it's disgusting. Yeah, it, it's good. And she runs out of the house disgusted with whatever is going on, makes her way to a, a scenic overlook, like got to get a hillside. It's like dawn. And so the sun is shining on some parts of the mountain beyond, but not on this part of the mountain. And then we see uh, her cabin, which now instead of being by the pond is kind of like on on the crest of a hill or something. And it is it is burning. That's that's her burning. Yeah. What? It's not the cabin. What? She crawls she crawls to that the top of the mountain or whatever, and then she catches on fire. That's her. Holy shit, are you for real? Yeah. Whoa. If you look at the flames, they're they're if those were flames coming off a building, they'd be gargantuan. That and that cabin wasn't on top of a mountain. It was down in kind of like a bit of a valley. Holy shit! Yeah, it was right by the water. Yeah, she, she so she catches on fire. I had no idea. I missed so many details of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great shot. I mean, it's a beautiful shot because you can see there's the ridge that she's on, and then there's the then there's the line of the snow capped mountains behind it. It's a wide camera shot, like a wide angle shot. And then the the sun, I mean the sorry, the blue sky behind it, but the sun is rising over on the right of the shot. So there's like this white light coming in, and it's just it's gorgeous. I see. Yeah, I I, I pulled it up. So yeah, she she gets to the the crest of this hill. She's exhausted. She's sweaty. She lays down, and then the camera moves, and it's all the way from behind. And so that shape is her laying down, and then she spontaneously combusts. Yeah. Damn, I did not catch that. I was like, oh, I guess her cabin burned because she left the fire on? Well, that makes sense, I guess. I mean, yeah, it does. (laughs) So then is this implication, like, the fact that she spontaneously combusts at dawn, is it kind of like playing with, like, vampire sunrise type thing? 
I'm not sure why she catches on fire. I know that throughout the movie that he's playing around, like we had mentioned with these ideas about the baby, if the baby's even real, what its origin is, why she, like her mother has a female baby with no hint at, at where this baby comes from. She has a female baby with no hint where the baby comes from. She names it after her mother, who we're basically told is a witch. Yeah. And or it would a appear Jew. that Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Witchy Jew. Yeah. Whichever. She you may choose. be one or <laughs> You'd have to choose one. <laughs> yeah. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> this episode, we are we aren't gross at all in this episode. No, we're terrible people. Yes. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it what it necessarily means. I mean, I know that her, or I mean, I I also remember near the end when she sees her mother again, like her mother kind of like as an apparition in the in the cabin, but she's in full psychological meltdown mode at this point, um, and so it's like what you see is that she drowned her baby. She drowned her tripping. Baby. She drowned her baby tripping. She didn't, you know. For whatever reason, she had lost it at that point through rage and and just craziness, being alone and all the stuff she went through. She drowns her baby, comes to, brings the baby back to the house, probably puts it in the stew, eats it, gets disgustingly sick, goes completely apeshit, sees her mother, who is like, like this evil presence, sort of, and then climbs to the top of the mountain and bursts into flames. Ah, yeah. It's like, okay, that's a seems more of a poetic gesture than an actual occurrence. Yeah. But it it just leaves the potential the door to just all these different things because of the narrative itself doesn't doesn't work. So you have to if you want it to resolve itself, you're gonna have to fill in the blanks. And it's it's interesting. I, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it with that being hurt. Like the director has even said that it's it's not supposed to be actual supernatural things happening. That this movie is about a a person that experiences trauma living in an era when disease is rampant and experiences societal uh, uh, persecution and what that does. Uh, like what effect that has on their psyche and the unfortunate like fallout from that. So it's interesting that that's what's he, what he, the director was going for, but then he also was like, and spontaneous combustion. In that case, it maybe it is a symbolic gesture. It's, it's like a, you know, it's, it's the one part of the movie where aside from maybe the underwater shot with the blood, because the baby wouldn't be bleeding. So where's the blood coming from? Um, so aside from that, I mean, you know, it's that part. I'm not sure what the explanation would be. I I guess the explanation for her bursting into flames is that she didn't burst into flames. It's just a, a symbol for she's completely gone. Like she's, she doesn't exist anymore for whatever reason, either she's completely lost her mind or she's maybe she did burn the cabin down. Maybe that's, that's, you know, who knows? It's definitely a beautiful shot. Like, yeah. like it is, it is a gorgeous finale to it. It's, uh, it's very, um, it's very St. Maud. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> uh, that, 
this came out before Saint Maud, though. I don't I don't think either of them plagiarized one another. I think it's just a uh you know, whenever whenever you've got a, a European history of burning witches in your heritage, maybe sometimes ladies be on fire. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that that's kind of it. Like we've got like th- this is like the early era of witch burning, and maybe this is like for her, it's like a self immolation or something. It's yeah. really cool. I mean, I guess if she was a witch, which apparently she wasn't, at least in his view, yeah. you know, then or maybe she was being pursued by because like one of the explanations I read is that there was some sort of evil spirit that was tormenting this family and that the mother was a witch that she wasn't necessarily like you know evil or anything she just practiced like pagan witchcraft and you know thus all the herbs and shit hanging around the house but as far as like the shoe on the door yeah that yeah you know but then there's these you know there's these two unexplained births which can you know they could have both just been raped or whatever it seems like there's probably a lot of rape in this godly mountain yeah no shortage of rape jesus Um, but yeah i mean it's in the end it's like okay well all i know is that lady had a rough life yeah albrin did not take it easy it's not a happy tale no no it, it is definitely one of of trauma of uh uh mental and emotional uh unwellness lack of support uh from society <laughs> and also persecution for being different yeah it's uh it does a good job of making that era look like the way i imagine it to be terrible yeah yeah <laughs> just just the worst <laughs> yeah do not want uh, if if I could time travel to any era, that would not be one of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd like to live in an alpine cottage uh, in the 14th century surrounded by zealots. Yeah, yeah. Zealots uh, go to Skull Church and uh, never drink the water. Apparently that was a thing on that like stupid like top 20 thing about middle age, middle age people. Don't drink the water. They didn't drink the water. They, like, did the uh, uh, only drink beer, like, cabin fever style. Like, I'm gonna only drink beer, and that way I won't get the water disease. <laughs> That's right, I forgot that there's the whole plague element going on there. Yeah, it's fucked. Damn. <laughs> John, what, how, how would you rate this movie on a, on a loathsome scale between 0.0 and... And 5.0 things. Uh, my rating for Witchfinder General definitely played into my rating for this movie because I definitely... I, I think overall I enjoyed this movie more, even though I you know, appreciate the role that Witchfinder General has, particularly in horror film. But um, having said that, I still enjoyed this movie more. Uh, but I, I can't give it a 4. I just It's not a 4 movie to me. It's not one loathsome thing away from perfection um it has its issues i i go back and forth with movies that leave all the doors open you know like i it's become a trope in itself to not explain shit and it it, it almost makes more sense in movies to just explain the shit now you know mm-hmm. because there's there's so many different 
theories and th- sub theories and all this bullshit about why things happen in movies and you know it's a fertility thing it's pagan it's witchcraft it's christian it's anti-christian it's uh you know infanticide it's uh it's like no how about if you just tell us what the fuck it is you know <laughs> so having said that i gave it a uh i gave it a 3.6 Oh, one nice. one over the three point five I gave Witchfinder General. Very nice. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, I, uh, similar. It's uh, it's really it's really solid. Um, and it does something different. And and I agree. Like I'm I'm okay with it not explaining itself. It, it doesn't bother me. But I I do agree. Like not explaining it can be an artistic way of doing things, but it can also be an easier way of doing things. And I think that this director was trying to marry artistry with ease and artistry with like time and budgetary constraints. And he did a really good job. Like, you know, if, if you don't have a lot of money, one of the best ways to make a movie is with long shots. Like, Ooh, get that! Get those trees. We'll put that in there, and we'll put some music over it. A good so setting for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's lots of beautiful shots, lots of really slow movement, and it it isn't too bad for that. Like it isn't it it isn't arduously slow or right. very very long. There's enough that happens that it 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 keeps it moving. Some people might you. Know, the type of people that get cranky about having to read subtitles probably won't like this movie at all because it is all they're also the type of people that won't like a slow movie at all. Right. This one's slow. Maybe it's easier because there aren't that many subtitles, but it it takes a while getting there. So there are there are drawbacks, but it's also really good. A lot of the visuals are really good. A lot of the horror elements are very strong in this movie. Uh but it's just the stuff that takes you out of it like that rotisserie chicken. That's just me. I I am an expert at taking apart a rotisserie chicken. So yeah, that was that was just not not the way to convince me that you're eating a baby. It wasn't a baby. I mean, it, it's it, not a baby. If you know anything about human anatomy, that that the baby that she had was a very healthy looking baby. Whatever the fuck she was eating was not a healthy baby. Yeah, no, no that uh, that baby had a very wide, short to- torso. <laughs> yes, like it was like a giant guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up giving it a three point eight out of out of five loathsome things. Uh, what is that? That makes it um, seven point four. Seven point four. Yeah, seven point four. Very nice. Quick math, sir. I like it. Uh, we both enjoyed it, and it, it we did, you know, I don't think either one of us is going to, you know, like, go to war over it, like, like to defend it, but it's uh, but it's a good movie, and I think it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for a German horror movie with, with uh, a little bit of that Stanley Kubrick value to it, go for it. It's, it's, it's worth a watch, and uh, Google, Google... A day in the life of middle-aged Germany people, and you'll probably find some neat trivia about Sepp. I want to talk about Sepp real quick. Do you think Sepp was like an old, 
school pagan guy that was actually on on Martha and Albrin's side? Or is he one of the shitty villagers that hates them? And whenever he said, "Be get in, it's Twelfth Night and Perta might get you, was he like being like a cool pagan guy to be like, hey, remember our, our you know, pagan ways and be sure to uh, do this? Or was he being a creepy bastard and mocking things? I think he was... Yeah, I think he was being a creepy bastard and kind of semi-taunting them. Yeah, damn. Like, it's one of those warning them because he takes pleasure in knowing that they... That warning them is something that's actually not a bad idea. But he takes pleasure in it because he knows that warning them isn't going to matter because they're fucked anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Which, does that make him the motherfucking asshole of the movie? I don't know. Oh, shit! (laughs) I don't think it does. I really am... I'm gonna say that Swinda's the motherfucking asshole of this movie. I'm giving it to Swinda. Despite the fact that the movie centers around a woman who drowned her baby, I'm going with Swinda. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say it was uh, Swinda's the motherfucking asshole of this movie. Also, maybe Martha, I mean, child abuse is a real motherfucking asshole move. And in order to get menstrual blood on your blackened fingers, you know, you you gotta do some child abuse to and get there. And sniff it and wipe it on your child's face. To be fair... Uh, being in the, in the throes of plague death probably involves some fever and some other things. So maybe a little bit of an excuse there. Oh, that's a really gray area that I am not qualified to go into. Like, is it? Yeah. (laughs) But it's got to affect your psyche. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Swinda or possibly, uh, the, skull polishing priest he's also a pretty pretty good yeah yeah he's a douchebag for sure yeah and but then not a, the motherfucking asshole i don't know that i'd call him the motherfucking asshole of the movie i mean there's a lot of motherfucking assholes in this movie really pretty yeah, much everybody yeah. like hodor hodor yeah. is just like huh what rape you say why yes let's go <laughs> why didn't you ask sooner I could rape someone next to you. I don't see a problem with that. It's fine with me. Got a little apple yeah. juice on your face, but otherwise, <laughs> good to go. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. Swinda, the motherfucking asshole. John, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, this is this is the return of the question. We used to do questions, then I forgot about it. I think we both forgot about asking <laughs> questions. <laughs> So there's a a tradition of taking good foreign films, mm-hmm. of, often of European origin, uh, occasionally Asian origin, and adapting them for an American audience in English. I could see this movie getting such an adaptation, uh, especially if Days and Dark Bewitched or whatever really stirs up the folk horror and mm-hmm. it's like, hey, maybe we do one of these. So if this were to get an American adaptation, what what is like the best thing that you could see them doing in adapting the and adapting this for an American audience and what's the worst thing you could see them doing in adapting this for an American audience? Um I think the best thing it it was tough because part, part of me was like the best thing would be to not make it. 
because America, it, it just this doesn't work for an American audience, really. But then I was like, well, but there, but there's always a way, you know. Like I thought, well, what if they turned it into like a Western scene, you know? So it's it's translated into, you know, like what's that movie? That movie, The Wind, where that lady lives yeah. on the plains, and you know, like a setting like that, which would be, you know, basically a similar kind of setting, but it would be more you know, adapted towards American audience. I mean, you could keep a lot of the same elements uh, knowing American audiences that probably wouldn't be so heavy hitting, but I don't know, with Midsummer and Hereditary now, you know, that stuff's pretty intense, but it it's more polished, I guess. But uh, that would be the way, and it would then you'd have to have the right people involved. Uh, and you could use some of the beautiful shots and stuff like that, but if you really were hoping to for the film to be successful, that's tough because it would have. In order for the film to be successful, it would have to be the other part of the question, where they would turn it into like, you know, something with like teenage, like nine hundred two one zero type actors and. Oh, everyone's so hot! Like some nineties scream style thing where, you know, like she's. They're they're not they they live in like a high rise or you know and she's not it, it would just be like some horrible bastardization that didn't even resemble the original to where if yeah. you'd read like oh well this was based on this Hagazusa film and you're like how you know yeah the Hodor character would be played by a Hemsworth yes exactly <laughs> it'd just be a totally different movie um, yeah I don't know what did you what was your thinking on that yeah I mean it's I really think that the best you could do with this would, would be the Vavitch. I mean, yeah. that's it's the most one to one. You you would have to either go back to like puritanical times. Mm-hmm. I do like your idea. I guess it could be like an Oregon Trail type mm-hmm. thing. The other alternative would be um, the Dust Bowl and Great Depression, mm-hmm. and and have that like play in because that's when a lot of like our current creepy Christian practices that are in America mm-hmm. got started. Like that's when they got into like, well, let's put like God on the money and in the pledge of allegiance and shit like yeah. that. So, so I could see it being there and, you know, maybe, I don't know, first nations people as the, as the um, protagonist. So that's what I was thinking. How can, how can you incorporate that element into it somehow? But I couldn't, think of a way to do it without like radically changing the story or because then otherwise they would be like the 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 local residents and then they would just be the bad guys which I didn't I was like I don't want to I'm not going to get behind that so yeah but yeah I guess the the other option is of course to just keep it set <laughs> in in 15th century german alps but they're just with speaking English with American accents. <laughs> or it's like contemporary in the Alps or something. Yeah. It's like a ski yeah. it's a ski resort. <laughs> yep. And uh and and based on other American adaptations of foreign films, I would say that uh you would just make everything more explicit but less extreme. Yeah. Like more obviously there is something in the woods. 
take away lots of subtlety. Like, have the priest be like, and this is your mother's skull. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just just spell everything out, but but also water it down a good bit. Like Martyrs. Like the American adaptation of Martyrs, where nothing was quite as extreme, but everything was much more explicit. Yeah, yeah. And then you could, like, for the role of Albrun, you could have Jim Carrey. I would watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jim Carrey as Albrun, uh, Steve Carell as Swinda. <laughs> Hodor as Hodor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would watch that. <laughs> I'd be all over it. <laughs> Fantastic. What else do we do? We need to go anything over else before we let these good people go about th- with their lives and days. I can't think of anything else other than you know, like uh, always get in touch with us and uh, don't be shy. Um, please uh, follow our show on your favorite podcasting platforms. Um, give us a rating that helps, especially like on iTunes. If you give ratings on iTunes, it helps. Uh, pull more people to the show it, it makes it more visible essentially to more people um just takes a second unless you feel like writing a whole review which would be great you know that, yeah. that we love those too um but we'd probably read it out loud whoa yeah we would whoa and yeah. uh but yeah give us recommendations um we've we've had a couple we we did both of them and they were a lot of fun uh they were both great recommendations uh and then get in touch with us on our check out our social media pages um which i can never remember it's uh uh twitter and instagram at loathsome pod easy to say even easier to spell uh facebook at loathsome podcast or you can email us uh loathsome things at gmail.com that's right we uh love to hear from you guys yeah absolutely get in touch with us reach out john i have another question for you i realized Mm -hmm. have you seen mad god yet i started it and realized that i wasn't gonna have enough time to commit to it completely so i watched like the first however but yeah, it's crazy. I watched Mad God for the first time in the throes of COVID fever. Oh man! Like with like over a hundred de- degrees, just just soaking in the soup of my own body, watching Mad God, and it was fantastic. Really? Wow. Yeah, I highly recommend getting COVID and watching Mad God. <laughs> well, you know, Ram- Ramon had recommended we we cover that. As a matter of fact. Thank you for the recommendation, Ramon. I don't think I could cover that. There's literally no dialogue to the movie, and it would really be hard to describe what's happening other than to just be like, oh, then there's this scene where they're all being electrocuted, and they're all taking horrible slimy shits, and then the slimy shits go down into a funnel, and that funnel leads into a giant robot's mouth, and he's just eating their slimy shit and loving it. I did see that. That was amazing. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't yeah. even think about the fact that it would be really hard to explain. Yeah, I... <laughs> I I was looking up like I was reading the the summary of it on Wikipedia as I was watching it because I was like, wait, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Is that what that was? <laughs> I 
that's exactly what I did. And that's why I was like, I'm going to need more time to commit to this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, I, I am obviously not paying the right amount of attention. So... Yeah, super major big kudos to Phil Tippett. I think this will have to serve as our review of it. It's fucking great. Go watch Mad God. That's awesome. <laughs> and get in touch with us on all of those uh, places I said. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Loathsome Pod, Facebook at Loathsome Podcast. Email us, Loathsome Things at Gmail. Or find us on Reddit. Occasionally I comment on things to try to convince people to listen to our show without explicitly saying that. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. John, how do you take us away? Well, I take. I uh, hope you feel better soon, and uh, Thank you. thanks for listening. And uh, uh, you know, die.